most people are having a conversation about singleness in terms of like how to get out of it, you know, versus like how to live in it. And so I was like, yeah, I don't I don't want people to feel like singleness is a lesser life. This is the Unsuitable Podcast, where I interview single Christians in order to broaden the conversation on singleness and expand our collective imagination of what is possible for the single life. I'm Mary B. Seyfried, a communicator, creator, and coach passionate about filling the gap between what the church offers and what single Christians need. Each episode this season, we're going to be talking about being single and in the church, the good, the bad, and the awkward. If you like what you hear, make sure to follow, rate, and review so you don't miss new episodes. Y'all know that I love having fellow podcasters on, but today is extra special because our guest doesn't just host a podcast, she hosts a podcast for single Christians. Yana Janae Connor is a writer and Bible teacher who seeks to help others think well about faith and culture. By God's grace, she has served in full-time ministry for the past 15 years in both the church and parachurch context, and earned a Master's in Divinity in Christian Ministry from Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. She currently serves at Vertical Church as the Discipleship Director and hosts a podcast called Living Single. In this episode, you'll hear Yana and I talk about the importance of being around other single Christians, what to look for in a church as a single person, the effect of healthy relationships between singles and leadership, Yana's advice for single people, and more. Before we dive in, I have to tell you about my new holiday ebook for singles. The holidays can be a struggle for singles. That's why I wrote the Single Christians Holiday Survival Guide. It is chock full of chapters on how to appreciate the holidays on your terms. The Single Christians Holiday Survival Guide is available exclusively in my shop at marybesafer.com. All right, now let's dive into the conversation. Yana, welcome to the Unsuitable Podcast. I'm so excited that you're here. Yo, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. You know, it's always nice to be invited to a party and I'm excited to be invited to this one. Yes, I love I love that. It's going to be a party. It's going to be a time. I love getting to talk singleness and I love getting to talk singleness with people who also talk about singleness. Um, and you are one of those people. You have a podcast as well about singleness and it's called Living Single. I would love for you to tell the people how that got started, what it's all about, all of the things we want to know. Yeah. So Living Single with Yana Janae came to be from a conversation I was having with a friend, a mentor in the car. She actually kind of came to get to know me through my Instagram page. And so I think in like 2019 or maybe 2020, I decided that I was going to do like seven exhortations for singles during the days leading up to Valentine's Day. And mm-hmm. I just know that Valentine's Day can be really hard for, for singles and I just was like, yeah, I'm just going to do this. We'll see what the Lord does with it. Walk away. And I was incredibly amazed by the response. And this mentor of mine was like, yo, what are you going to do with that? You know, it seems like you stepped into something and that there's a need, you know. Mm -hmm. And I heard a few people say like, yo, like, I really appreciate the way that you talk about singleness and nobody else out there is like really talking about singleness like this. And I think that was because most people are having a conversation about singleness in terms of like how to get out of it, you know, versus like how to live in it. Yes. And so I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't want people to feel like 
singleness is a lesser life. Mm-hmm. You know, the Bible says that singleness is a gift. Mm-hmm. And over like the last 15 or so years, I've been trying to unpack that gift and sort of understand like what it means to be single and how mm-hmm. it can be a good thing. And not only that, but wanting to move the conversation about singleness from just like a call to contentment, <laughs> right? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, it's like, oh, just be content. and it, But yeah. that feels like settling too, right? Yeah. And so, but like wanting to, you know, call people to celebration about about their singleness because mm. it's not a lesser life. It's it's a different life and it's a life that can be filled with uh, joy and fullness and meaning and purpose yeah. and all of those things. And so just wanting to sort of bring that to the conversation about singleness. And so I purposely like don't talk about dating. I don't talk yeah. about like how to get married or how to prepare yeah. yourself for marriage. It's just like, nah, let's just, let's live this thing out and and enjoy it for all it has to offer. That's amazing. I mean, I already knew this was going to be a great conversation because I've listened to some of your podcasts, but now I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, yep, go ahead. You better preach. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Like all of those things that you said were exactly what brought me into this space and this conversation as well like desire for a more holistic conversation, right? That was about, hey, like the point of singleness is not to like get unsingle as quickly as possible. There's like a whole, that's just not realistic and that's not gonna set anybody up for (laughs) a full and meaningful life when, you know, if you think the purpose of this is to not be this, right? The purpose of singleness is to not be single, then, um you know, for people who are single long term, especially, that's just gonna, like, it's just inevitably gonna make people feel like they're on the sidelines, or they're waiting for something that might or might not be in the cards for them for whatever reason. So I'm, I'm, yep, yep, all of the things (laughs) you said. Yeah, yeah, I, I appreciate what you said about like waiting on the sidelines, because I think there was definitely a season in my life where I felt like that's what I was doing. Like that Mm. I was just sitting on the sidelines waiting, you know, to be put in the game of life. And, and I remember getting this book called Lady in Waiting. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And it talked about preparing yourself for uh, Mr. Right. Um, That's like literally like the tagline. It's, it's hilarious when you, when you think about it. (laughs) Um, But uh, and no shades to, to that person who wrote that book. I'm sure it's an excellent book. But yeah. um, but just was like, I remember the Lord saying to me, like, Yana, what are you waiting for? Yeah. What are you waiting for? Like, the best thing that could have ever happened to you has already happened. It happened on the day that you became my daughter, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, like, you don't have to wait for some man to come along to bring value and yeah. worth uh, and purpose to your life. Like I've already done that. And so go, go live, you know? Mm. Um, and I, I was just like, oh, wow. You know, I remember like putting that book, like closing that book. I already bought it. So it's too late to take it back. (laughs) to the (laughs) store. But closing that book and being like, yeah, like, what am I waiting for? Like, God has, God has called me to live. You know, he says he's given me life abundantly. And that has like, absolutely nothing to do with my relationship status. And so let me just live, live the abundant life that God has given me. Yeah. Another thing I love about 
you know, your calling and how you're living that out and how you seem to be modeling that is that you regularly are speaking and teaching in churches and in front of people. Um, And I think that's like a super powerful thing. Very passionate about like uh, having people up front who are modeling this like single life and and like saying, hey, like if you're single, you can speak, you can teach, you can do, you know, you can have a podcast, you can write a book, you, you know, like just giving people that representation, I guess, of somebody who's up front and can tell people like, hey, there's a path here. If that's what you feel called to, like your singleness isn't an insurmountable barrier to this if you're called to this. Yeah, I think a lot of times, you know, in ministry, singles can appear as like a liability. (laughs) Mm. Because we, quote unquote, don't have these spouses to sort of help us to tame our sexual desires. And so Mm. no church wants, you know, a liability or a potential scam or X, Y, and Z. And I think that's really sad because, you know, my character, more so than my relationship status, like gives you an idea of whether or not I'm going to be a liability. (laughs) You know, as we know, there are a lot of people who who are married and who find themselves caught up in some sort of entanglement (laughs) or a scandal because, you know, for a lot of reasons, you know, and so it's not your relationship status doesn't save you, you know, your relationship status doesn't, doesn't keep you. And so anytime I see a man or a female who's a single leader in ministry, it just, it gives me so much joy because it's like, yeah, like, we're not misfits. We're not, you know, liabilities. We yeah. are sons and daughters of God who have been called to the yeah. same mission that that they've been called to, marriage yeah. have been called to. And so our relationship status doesn't need to be a barrier. Yeah. Yeah, for real. And I love that you've gotten the opportunities to to live that out because that's not necessarily something that all churches are supportive of because there is such a misconception around singles a lot of times. And it is interesting that you brought up the character element and specifically like this perception that because a single person is abstaining from sex, then there's inherently no like vent or whatever for that desire. And so therefore, they're going to be maybe more prone to like sexual immorality when, you know, recent history has taught us anything it's that like nobody's immune from the temptations nobody's immune yeah (laughs) nobody that's right so you mentioned the day that you became a daughter of god as you know the best thing that's ever happened to you which you know i would agree with best thing that happened to me too but i would love for you as we're diving into our uh deeper conversation for you to tell the people about your spiritual journey Give us a sense of where you come from and and where you are now. Yeah. So I grew up in church. My dad was first a deacon and then an elder in our church. And so I am essentially uh, a quintessential preacher's kid uh, who, you know, appeared as a goody two shoes on Sunday and before her parents, but had sort of this secret life, (laughs) you know, where I would run around with my friends and with boys and make poor choices and put myself in very uh, compromising situations. Um, However, I always had this sort of like rule that I wasn't going to have sex. Um, And the reason why was really 
because of my dad. Like, I didn't want to, as we would say in the Kojic church, bring reproach upon my family <laughs> and and the church. And so anytime I sort of maybe came close to crossing the line, I retreated out of respect for my dad. And so I think a lot of sort of my decisions and a lot of like what I sort of understood you know, it meant to be a Christian was really about being a good daughter to my dad. And so when my relationship with him, and I say that because when my relationship with him started to break down, my relationship with the Lord started to break down. Whereas, you know, I started to drift from my dad, I started to drift from Christianity, the church and whatnot. And so I went from being in church all the time to you know, as a college student, you know, just trying to live my best life, fit in, uh, and and like essentially like be popular, you know. And so, so yeah, so just just was like, yo, this is my opportunity to be known. This is my opportunity to flex, you know, and and all of that. And so I just started living my own way. But eventually, I started to like really struggle with feelings of emptiness, feelings of restlessness. And the Lord really used that to sort of awaken me to my need for him. And it was through that and like a really bad car wreck. Also through just some issues that were going on in my family that sort of drew me to the Lord. And I remember sort of like sitting on this bench and feeling really empty and just being like, Lord, I get it. <laughs> this this isn't working out, you know. And if I continue down this road, I can I can foresee that it's not going to lead to anything, you know, good. And so like asking the Lord to help me to live for him. And I would say at that point, I didn't really understand the gospel. I just understood that I needed the Lord. And it wasn't until getting into a college ministry and being around other believers and being discipled that the gospel really began to make sense to me. And I remember I was like reading this book and it was talking about a scale of one to 10, how sure you get you would get into heaven. <laughs> and if you were to go like, you know, you're at heaven's gates, what, what would you say to God to let you in? And like, my answers were just like, ah, I'm a seven. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm a decent person, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and realizing like that, those things weren't enough and that it's in Christ that you can all be a 10, you know, because he paid the price for it all. And so it was like, you know, fireworks going off in my head <laughs> about, you know, like, oh, this is why we celebrate Easter. This is why Jesus went mm -hmm. to the cross. Like, oh, it's by grace, not through works that I'm saved and all of that. And just started to like grow and read the Bible and understand more about God's grace for me. Mm, that's good. I also think it's interesting how like in your story, you mentioned the connection between your relationship with your dad and your relationship with God and how they were pretty intertwined and like informed one another. And so when one started to go a certain way, the other one went that way as well. And I think that's super relatable. Yeah. Yeah. At least for me. And so I have, I have two dads. I have a stepdad and then I have a biological dad. And much of my walk with Christ has been trying to separate what my experience was like with my earthly fathers, with like my experience with the Lord, you know, yeah. and you know, my biological father was 
in and out, you know? And so I thought that the same thing would be true in my relationship with the Lord, that he would Mm -hmm. be in and out, you know? And so passages where he talks about like, like, I will never leave you or -hmm. forsake you. Those things like, you know, I would read those things, but like, it took some time for that to really get deep down in my heart. Mm -hmm. I remember even in Ephesians 2, like, second half of it where he says you who once were far off have been brought near by mm-hmm. the blood of Christ and I like I had to I had to memorize that and say that mm-hmm. to myself often like God even though I don't feel close to you right now I thank you that in Christ though I was once afar off I've now been brought near and so yeah. those were things that were really hard for me, you know, just thinking like, yo, when I mess up, God's going to leave me or that God's going to be sort of this absentee father. And so I remember going to seminary and learning that big phrase, eminence, (laughs) you know, that God is, is, is active in the world. He is active with his creation. And that meaning so much to me that God isn't, you know, what the deist would say, like he, he formed the world and then walked away, right? Because yeah. in essence, that's kind of like what my biological father did. He made me and then he walked away, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. But like yeah. God's not, God's not like that, you know. Yeah. He's not an absentee father. He created the world and then he is like with his creation. He mm-hmm. comes down as Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. And so a lot of my journey has been sort of overturning some of those negative experiences that I had with both of my fathers so that I can understand God rightly. Yeah. We'll get back to the conversation in just a minute. First, I want to tell you about a brand new podcast. The run-up to Christmas is hectic. There doesn't seem to be enough time to finish the year strong at work, keep up with friends, and pay attention to what God is trying to say. If you're tired of the same old retelling of the Nativity story, I've got something new to tell you about. The Advent Podcast. In five minutes or less per day, my friend Katie Kibbe is going to help us see the Nativity story through the lens of friendship. The Advent Podcast gives you the daily pause you need to prepare and share more of your heart this season. The Advent Podcast, more fun than a Sunday school play. You can find the Advent Podcast on your favorite podcast streaming platforms. All right, now back to the episode. So to switch gears a little bit, I would love to talk a little bit specifically about your experience as a single woman in the church. If you could tell me about a time when you were maybe like very aware of your singleness in a church space. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, man. I I remember it very, very clearly. I went to church one Sunday morning mm-hmm. and like, no lie. No lie. It was three single girls in the church. Everybody else was married. Wow. Everybody else was married. And so for me, that was kind of foreign. You know, I coming from St. Louis and then coming to a church in North Carolina and seeing all these families, like family is like a big deal here. I was Mm -hmm. like, ain't no single parents in here. This is kind of (laughs) weird, you know, like, but I was, I was thankful that that was the, the case, but it just seemed like everybody, all the couples had had date night last night, the night before, because they were all like sort of cuddled up Mm. on the benches, holding hands or arms around each other on the pews. And I just was like, I was like, I got to get out of here. That was the day I went to go 
I went to Amazon and I or not Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and I was looking for a book about singleness, and that's when I picked up the book uh, "Lady in Waiting." So this yeah. <laughs> that was a, quite an epic day. But yeah, I was sitting there. I was like, "Yo, everybody in here is like booed up and happy," <laughs> and I felt so alone. I felt mm-hmm. so alone, especially because the other two people in the church who were single, they were roommates and they had been roommates for quite some time. So in my mind, I'm like, they kind of count as a married couple, you know, because like, <laughs> at least they going back. They going back to the same house. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm the only person in here going back to a house by myself, you know. And wow. so. So, yeah, that was really that was really hard for me. I think that's probably one one of the times where I felt really, really low, mm. even though the people in that church loved me, even yeah. though the people in that church like cared for me deeply and were dear friends of mine. Mm. I think I started to realize like that I was like, I can't stay here. I mm. can't stay at this church. And kind of how I got there, I was like, yo, I wouldn't. If I had some friends who were at a church and they were like one of three married couples, I would mm-hmm. say, y'all need to get up out there, out of there, because mm-hmm. y'all need to be in relationships with married people, right? Mm-hmm. You need to be in relationships with people who are trusting God in the same ways that you're having to trust the Lord. And I was mm-hmm. like, as a single person, I need to be in community yeah. with some singles who are having to trust the Lord in the same ways that I'm having to trust the Lord, mm. who are praying the same kinds of prayers, people mm. who can model for me how to persevere in singleness. And to be honest, like even having a conversation with one of my friends, like I was starting to realize like I was struggling with purity, like mm. more in that context than I was when I got out of that context and found myself in relationship with other other singles. And so I was just hmm. like, yeah, this, this, this isn't a good place for me to be, but it took me, it took me like maybe two years to leave hmm. that church, but I was primarily leaving for that reason, which felt mm-hmm. really like selfish and self-centered and all of those kinds of things. But then I was like, yo, I'm not doing well spiritually. Like I'm just, yeah. I'm just not, I need community. And after having a few conversations with the the pastor there, he he agreed. He was like, yeah, you you probably yeah. do need to be in community with some other singles and whatnot. But that's like the first time like I just was like, whoa, I'm different. Yeah, that's such an interesting uh, switch, right? Because as you mentioned, being in St. Louis, that was not the case. And then coming to North Carolina and as someone who grew up in North Carolina, I can attest to the fact that like everyone and their dog is married. <laughs> everybody yo it's a very different dynamic and what you're taught like what you were pinpointing that feeling of of loneliness of like these people love me but they really don't understand my life at all they don't that's that's a very (laughs) specific type of loneliness right because you're physically proximate to people and theoretically and like these people you know love you care for you But at the same time, right, there's not that deep level understanding of like shared experience and shared reality that, you know, we need all kinds of relationships, you know, like we need relationship across relationship status. But there's something really specific about that feeling of like, I don't have I'm not having to like explain my reality to you. There's a level of right emotional labor involved in that that can be very taxing. Yeah, 
Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I remember, like, being in a small group with some women and, like, confessing sin, you know, Mm -hmm. and nobody following up with me. And I was like, what? (laughs) What's going on, guys? Like, I just I just laid it all bare out there. And I think for some of those women, you know, as I started to sort of think about their story, it's like, man, for the women in this group, like they've either they've been married for maybe like 15, 18, Mm. 20 years or, you know, they met their spouse when they were in high school, you know, so they just they don't they don't remember what it was like. I mean, you can even say they never really were single, you know, like so they don't they don't have any sort of concept or framework for those things. And so I think that was what was hard, too, was like, okay, I'm going to bring my single self, you know, to the party. I'm going to share like what I'm struggling with. But then like to not have anybody sort of Mm. follow up or try to walk with me in that it just sort Mm. of intensified the loneliness that Mm. I felt. Yeah, because you're you're putting yourself out there, right? You're extending this vulnerability and not having anyone like meet you in that is really hard. It's really like, I don't know, I'm sure it was disappointing. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but Oh, it was disappointing <laughs> and angering. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because that's how, you know, like relationships should be reciprocal, should be mutual, should be like meeting each other in our in our needs. And, you know, I think there's a way to do that across difference that can be very collaborative. But like, I'm sure those people, because of their situations, had like if you were asking for advice about something related to abstinence or chastity or whatever, they would have absolutely no idea what to tell you or what to suggest, because that's not what they've had to to deal with. And so there's like a level of unfamiliarity of like, I don't even know the questions to ask to try to support you in this that can be like, really frustrating and really prohibitive for actually forming real deep community. Yeah, no. Yeah, it was hard. It was hard for them. And it was hard for me. And Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, you know, found myself found myself at a church that had more singles, but also had some folks who who knew how to navigate that space, even, mm-hmm. you know, well, even if they had been married for like 15, 18 years, you know, who were willing to ask me hard questions and ask me like, yo, Yana, how are you doing with your thoughts? Like, uh, what have you been watching lately? I noticed that you and homeboy were laughing really hard and and touching each other and flirting. Like, what's that about? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like what's going on? You know, so just having accountability from folks who are married as well has been really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. Thankful for the married friends that I have in my life. And I often say, like, we get to lend each other our objectivity, right? Because I can be really subjective in my feelings about being single. They can be really subjective (laughs) in their feelings and thoughts about being married. And sometimes we can direct one another to truth in a very objective way that can be helpful for for both Mm -hmm. of us. Yeah, I'm interested in hearing more about when you say the married folks that you met at this new church knew how to navigate the space well, like the relationship with you as married people. Were you primarily speaking about accountability or are there other ways where you feel like they really knew how to navigate that difference? Yeah, they treated me as a whole person. Mm-hmm. And 
some people understand what I'm saying. Some people won't. <laughs> but, you know, when you're single, sometimes people don't treat you like a whole person. They treat you like you are missing something as if yeah. your life is incomplete, that you are maybe immature in some ways. But these people treated me like a whole person. I don't really remember them like trying to marry me off or, or things mm. like that. And so and because they they treated me like a whole person, they engaged with me about things that didn't just have to do with my relationship status. Right. And mm. so just a holistic sort of discipleship plan of like, yo, how are you? How are you doing with your relationship with your dad? You know, you mm-hmm. shared about how you are struggling with forgiveness. And so, like, let's talk about that, you know, mm. or helping me to even like, I had one of my pastors kind of like sit me down and have a conversation about like the kinds of guys that I was attracted to, <laughs> you know, he's like, wait a wow. minute. <laughs> and I was like, that was kind of hard for me. Cause I was like, yo, that's a conversation my dad was supposed to have with me, you know, mm. but sort of seeing me sort of make some, some interesting choices in the kinds of guys that I was drawn to. And then him just saying like, yeah, let's talk about attraction. Like, why are you attracted to these guys? And then calling me out and saying like, yo, th- those are some sh- some shallow things, you know? I was like, mm. I remember saying like, oh, we just laugh a lot together. We have so much fun. He's like, yeah, that ain't got nothing to do with character, you know? Mm. <laughs> like, so let's, let's talk about this character thing and the kinds of things that you need to be looking for. And so just those kinds of things were helpful, but we, it was a full immersion experience. Like we did life together kind of in the way that we see in Acts 2, you know, day by day, we were together in people, each other's homes, eating meals, singing songs, spending time in the word, you know, X, Y, and Z. And so it was a real, it, I haven't experienced anything like it. Yeah. I have a couple of follow-up questions. The first one I want to ask is about your relationship with the pastor who had that hard conversation with you. Was that a like, one-on-one conversation that y'all had together? It was me, him, and his wife, and their kids were, okay. like, running around the house. Okay. Um, so you were, like, <laughs> hanging out with the family. Yeah, hanging out with the family, which I would do do often. But that pastor is, like, one of my best friends. His whole family is, like, they're, like, my best friends and mm-hmm. been thankful for them and just how they've just opened up their home. They'll just let, yeah. me, let me be myself. So. It's been good. Yeah, I'd love to hear more about how that relationship developed because that's a thing that not necessarily a lot of single women get in the church is that kind of connection with male leadership. Yeah, I think a lot of that had to do with the kinds of people that they were. Mm -hmm. And so they invited me over their house for dinner. And I think I was over there for like maybe five or so hours, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it was like... (laughs) helping, you know, my friend Jacelyn cook. And then we had dinner together. And then we did songs and prayer with the whole family. And then afterwards, mm-hmm. they just sort of started, you know, spit firing questions for us to get to know each other. And I was also on staff at that church. And so okay. that provided a lot of space for me and Josh to sort of have conversations about ministry, mission, life stuff. Mm. And yeah, I mean, yeah, I babysat their kids. I hung out at games, you know, Mm -hmm. 
we were together a lot, but they created that kind of space in their home where I just felt really, really comfortable and felt like family. Yeah, that's such a huge thing. That relationship building with church members is such an important thing and such a huge thing. And I think that that's something that I hear from single women in particular is is not having that connection or not necessarily knowing how to healthily build those relationships with married male leaders, especially. And so there's a big gap, I think, that can exist. But it's encouraging to hear you talk about how this pastor, right, there was already a connection because you were both on staff together. But, you know, they really opened their home to you and made you feel like part of the family. And so it wasn't this whole big weird thing. It was just like a hey, just come over and have dinner with us, like a very normal, natural thing that doesn't, I don't know, I think that we can make it seem complicated in ways that I don't think it has to be that complicated. Oh, absolutely. I will say this. I do know that like, I've been really blessed when it Mm -hmm. comes to having brothers in my life who Mm. treat me as a person, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And who haven't really, you know, bought into some of the the rhetoric that kind of comes with purity culture and the Billy Graham rule that yeah. causes them to feel like they have to distance themselves unnecessarily mm-hmm. from women. And so I've been, I've been really, really blessed in that department where I have relationships, not just with, you know, the the wife of a couple but also yeah. like the male of the couple and mm. and where they speak into my life where mm. it's not taboo for us to like check in on each other to see how we're doing or you know I could call up one of my brothers to ask for advice about something and I'd be yeah. you know weird but it's like I'm calling you because I know that you've probably been through this experience before and you have some wisdom that maybe yeah. one of my female friends doesn't doesn't have you know just mm-hmm. cuz they they haven't navigated that same kind of space and so I've been super super blessed when it comes to that and and that doesn't mean like there isn't wisdom you know, that there aren't boundaries and those kinds of things, but the boundaries maybe don't have to be as narrow mm. as we've we've said that they had to be because we're more than sexual, we're more than sexual beings, That's right. you know? And I think, you know, if we cling to things like the Billy Graham rule, like so tightly, not, some people yeah. need the Billy Graham rule, you know? You got to know yourself. Mm. Um, mm. <laughs> but when we cling to it so tightly, we're making sex an idol just as much as mm-hmm. the world is making it an idol. We're just responding mm-hmm. to it with, you know, suppression versus overt expression. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good word. And I would imagine that having so many healthy relationships with these men, I'm guessing that it maybe has helped as you've navigated like dating and attraction and stuff like that to see, okay, wait, this is like, Maybe the bar is a little too low here, or maybe like I'm not looking for the things that are actually, you know, going to make a marriage <laughs> good. <laughs> but 
yeah, I mean, that's, you know, having good guy friends has has certainly done that for me as well Mm -hmm. to be like, okay, you know, there's there's more going on here in my view of men. And it's not a theoretical thing because I have actual relationships with actual men who are living actual lives. And so I'm getting like a more accurate picture, right, of what maybe a healthy relationship looks like between men and women, what healthy men look like. And that's, you know, maybe affecting my view of what I deserve or what I am attracted to or what is important in in a relationship. Yeah, no, that's real. My brothers have raised the bar <laughs> for me. <laughs> and I've been really thankful for that. Mm-hmm. It also is just like any dude that I were to date, like he would have to get through them. And so yeah. I'm like, if that's the filter, I'm just like, I don't think you're going to make it. You know, <laughs> so it's just, it's, you know, it's just like, let's not even waste our time. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You cute and everything, but I don't think you're going to make it through the ringer. <laughs> and like, I remember like taking a guy to go meet some of my brothers and, and sisters, like a couple of couples. And sure enough, at the end of it, I was like, yeah, this isn't going to work. So this is, this was informative, you know, for me. and so. And I know that some people, when they start dating, they start to like maybe sometimes retreat from their community. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. nah, like full immersion, like let's go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because these are the people that I do life with. And if we were to, yeah. you know, move forward that, you know, you would you would do life with too. They don't go yeah. away just because you're you're in the picture. Yeah. I would love to hear, you know, you talked about going from this church where you were like essentially the only single person to a church where it was a lot more balanced. I'm wondering if you could maybe articulate at what point you felt the difference. Was it like first Sunday you were like, yes, this is, or did it take time to kind of, and if you could maybe articulate what, what about it was so different besides the like demographics? Yeah, it was first Sunday. Mm. I went and I mean, the service was great, but for me going in, I was I was really interested as to what was going to happen after service. Mm. Kind of like, what is the culture of the church? Do people yeah. like go and hang out afterwards? And I remember having like three single people like sort of encircled around me saying like, yo, you want to come to lunch with us? And I was like, mm. OK, bet, <laughs> you know. And just that they already sort of had this rhythm of community with one another. It wasn't like I had to create it. I just I just jumped in, you know, Mm. and they were very like warm and inviting. And turns out that a few of them were also in seminary. I had just started seminary that year. And so Mm. that turned into not just like going to church together, but then also studying together. And so just having rhythms of of being together. And there was one girl in particular that I could be really open and honest with about mm. sort of the things that, you know, I was struggling with when it came to life, but then also just when it came to singleness and yeah. having her to be open and honest as well and sort of share how she was trusting the Lord in that was just really, really encouraging. Because at that time, like most of my friends were like my closest friends were like getting married. And so, yeah, and she was going through that as well. And so being able to 
talk through sort of, you know, the feelings of envy and anger mm-hmm. and disappointment mm-hmm. was really, really helpful. So, yeah, I think being able to have people that I could call up and be like, yo, yeah, I want to go to the coffee shop. Mm. Yo, yeah, I want to go to a baseball game. <laughs> you know, like just, you know, not somebody who didn't have to go get a babysitter or ask their husband, yeah. <laughs> you know, and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Like I needed people who kind of had that flexibility in their lives and they mm. were they were really available and down for that. That's huge. The availability component. Gosh, even just having the bandwidth to recognize, hey, here's a new person who, you know, maybe needs a place to go and like needs to meet people or whatever, because you're not inundated with family stuff is huge for feeling welcomed in a church space. And that that first Sunday you had that experience indicates, right, that that's just a natural part of the culture of the church, which is definitely not the case everywhere. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, it was a gift. It was a it was an answer to prayer. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> mm, I love that. Yana, before we get to our last couple of questions, is there anything you want to add? I think if I could reiterate anything, it would be like if you're a single person, particularly like once you start getting in your 30s and a lot of your friends are starting to get married, just to remember that you need people in your life who are having to trust the Lord the way that you are and that that doesn't it doesn't make you a bad person if you start building relationships with new people mm-hmm. or if you have to make some adjustments in your life like mm-hmm. if the goal is to like follow Jesus then you might need some new relationships you might need new spaces to be in doesn't mean you leave your old spaces it just means like you might need to add some new spaces to your life in order for you to follow Jesus and <laughs> you can't neglect that need you know we all need to be with people, yes, who are different than us, but also people who are having to sort of traverse the realities of living in this fallen world in the same ways Mm. that we are. That's right. I love that. Yana, I would love to hear how we can support you. Where can we follow you on the interwebs? Do you have any projects going on that we can support and show up for? Tell us all the things. Yeah. So I am mainly on Instagram at Yana Janae, and you can follow me there. I also have a Patreon page where I do talkbacks for folks who subscribe to the podcast and also do sort of reflection and discussion guides for those who want to like listen to the episode and then kind of go deeper on their own or with others. Mm. So you can find me on Patreon. The title is Living Single with Yana Janae. And then you can also find me on the internet webs, you know, writing for She Reach Truth or the Jude 3 Project. I kind of just sort of <laughs> get invited and sometimes say, you know, people invite me and I, I, I write on different things. And that's been a, a joy. I love to write. But yeah, that's sort of what what I'm doing right now. One thing that's really exciting is I'm going to be doing a singles retreat for a church. And even though it's specifically for that church, if people were listening and would ever like to bring me out for something like that, I would love to invest in your singles. I love that. Love that. Last but not least, Yana, will you tell me one thing that's hard right now and one thing that's great? Mm, I like it. Uh, one thing that's hard right now 
it's been a busy month. Well, mm-hmm. it's, it's been a busy like last six weeks and it's going to continue to be busy for like six mm-hmm. more weeks. And I am learning how to prioritize solitude and silence and mm-hmm. what John Mark Comer calls slowing. <laughs> and so mm. I think that's what's been really, really hard. I've shared this before in other spaces, but I have a general anxiety disorder. And so mm. this much activity can sort of cause that to be more of a nuisance. Though I'm on medication, like sometimes those things don't always come together yeah. in a helpful way. And so learning how to slow down and mm. rest and pursue that like mm. has been has been hard. I don't know if that part's been hard, but the the anxiety part has been hard. Yeah. What's been great though is that like God's been faithful over these last mm. few weeks of traveling and getting to go to college retreats. I even got to preach at my stepdad's church and wow. So that, that kind of stuff's been really really cool. God's been really really faithful in that. And this is just not like a life I imagined for myself, you know, graduating Mm. from white evangelical conservative seminary Mm. that still, you know, wouldn't affirm women preaching maybe in any context. (laughs) But, and so it's been really sweet to see the Lord create space for me, even within my own church now, like to, to preach and teach. It's been a gift and, and I'm just I'm just trying to like continue to navigate that space well for his glory and for his people. I love that. I love that. Yana, it has been an absolute delight. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. It's no secret that many singles feel like outsiders in the church. That's why we've created a Patreon community. For a small monthly fee, you can get access to bonus content, plus a community where your voice and presence are valued. Tiers start at just $5 a month. Sign up at patreon.com unsuitable. You can follow Yana on Instagram at Yana Janae. Living Single with Yana Janae is available wherever you get your podcasts. You can find more of her writing and teaching at yanajanae.com. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please take a minute to rate and review. To stay up to date on all things unsuitable, follow me on Instagram or TikTok at maryb.safrit. Or subscribe to my weekly newsletter at marybsafrit.com. Unsuitable is produced by Studio Aplum. Sound engineering is by me, Mary B. Safrit. And the theme music is by Chad Rollinson. That's all for now. Catch you on the flippity flop.